Thomas. Michael, the man, the myth, the legend that is. You are the man, the myth, the legend that is. We are all the legends. Stop now, sucking look. up. I'm not sucking. Hey, look. <laughs> well, said the man with a big hoe. <laughs> you don't big, have any porn on the, you, do you? That what? You don't have any porn at your house, do you? Absolutely not. Well, listen to this story. I can say with 100% certainty, <laughs> nowhere in our home you will find any kind of a dirty magazine or any kind of a dirty movie. Well, listen to this story. A Michigan man is suing his parents for $86,000 for tossing his porn collection. The man was married, got a divorce, moved back in with his parents. A little while later, he moved on, and his parents took all his stuff and sent it to him. But when he got all his stuff, he was seeing that he was missing his $29,000 porn collection. Why did it end up being... $87,000. Pain I, and suffering, and yeah. you got to pay for the attorney, too? Yeah. And that attorney, we know, is very expensive. Who is it? Michael Avenatti? <laughs> no, I don't think he's working these days. Well, anyway, the dad told his son that the reason he destroyed it was because of his own mental and emotional health. First of all, this guy ever hear of a storage unit? Yeah, you know, I got to side with the parents on this one. Sorry. Yeah. And this is a frivolous lawsuit, so Judge Kent rules... <laughs> a toss out. I'm tossing this case out like the parents tossed out his porn collection. I'm just guessing this might have something to do with his divorce. What do you think? Do you know what uh, some of the statistics say about pornography? What? People who watch it on a regular basis, especially men, end up hating women and become very violent in their attitudes towards women. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the Ted Bundy effect. But that's another story. Good luck trying to sell this stuff. You ever try to sell a ring at a pawn shop? You're lucky to get 25% of retail price. Use porn collection. <laughs> yeah. You're probably looking at a higher even rate of 75% depreciation, unless you have the wedding night video of George and Martha Washington. How about that? Mm, that's something I want to see. The funky <laughs> things they were doing with his wooden teeth. Oh, my. Oh, and her, you know, he married yeah, don't her. don't say that. No, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I know. I'm a big George Washington fan. He had a couple of girlfriends. You know that, don't you? No. Yeah. And his wife was a very rich woman when he married her. I mean, I don't know if he was a gold digger, but well, what are we talking about? We're talking about porn, baby. Next thing you're going to tell me is uh, George Washington had quite the porn collection. <laughs> <laughs> if he did, boy, we got some story. So when he was chopping down that cherry tree... <laughs> <laughs> that was a metaphor for something else, right? Right. <laughs> if you know what I mean, wink, wink, nod, nod. She was very young. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, well, yeah, well. Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, pal? What's so, this world coming to? You're going to go to our daily podcast. That's what you're going to do. That's right, buddy. What's this world coming to? Dot com. Tom and Mike. Now, over in Germany, the German police just seized... A guy's Porsche. Now, the reason they seized it is this guy had his Porsche gold foil finish. So in the daytime, when the sun was out, it was blinding other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass. <laughs> he was stopped once and told to get a new paint job. But he didn't do it. So the next time they saw him, they took his Porsche away. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But he should have been arrested on the grounds of, you know, bad taste, like the fashion police. Have you ever noticed they really don't make gold-colored cars? That's why. You think? I think so. Well, I'm not talking tinfoil-colored. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not talking like that shiny, but, you know, you see yellow cars, but you yeah. never see really gold cars, right? 
I mean, Porsche drivers are very, you know, goofy and very pretentious and stuff like that. Did I ever tell you my story hey, wait about? Wait a minute. I used to own a Porsche. You did? Yeah. Is that what you think of me? <laughs> well, I don't know. Hey, Porsche drivers think they're. They second. think they're. You, 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 you did you have think a Porsche. You're protected by that glass over there. I'm going to walk in the other room. I'm wait, smack you. You, you did have do. a Porsche. I'm smack you. Yeah, I did. What color? Red. Oh. Write me a ticket red. <laughs> you want to hear my favorite Porsche story? Yeah, sure. Whatever. One, one now weekend, that you've totally upset me. One fall. I liked it when you were more of a suck-up kind of guy. Listen to this story, people. This is an honest-to-God true story. Back in the day, I still goes on. They used to have this thing up in Watkins Glen, New York in the fall. They had two races. Watkins a, Glen. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, they'd have two races. On Saturday, it would be like... 10 Porsches, 10 Ferraris, 10 BMWs. It's a very famous racetrack. Right. You could win your class. So it'd be all different kinds of cars. And the next day, it would be the Formula One cars. So in between Saturday and Sunday, everything just going around. People are going to different campsites. And there's a thing called a bog. They call Beat the Bog. And it's always kind of rainy up there in the fall, up in upstate New York at that time of the year. And they have this bog. And people try and beat the bog. They would go in with three-wheelers and big you know, it's a lot of mud. Yeah, the, the car would go in, go up the hill. If they got stuck, you have like 200, 300 guys just jump from the crowd and push it out. Well, this goes on all day, people trying to beat the bog in different vehicles. You know, when they get stuck, they have these guys come along with these big hooks to try to pull them out. <laughs> you know what they call those guys? What? Hookers. <laughs> Seriously. Well, That's no, not they, a joke. Well, they weren't pushing, they weren't using hooks. They were just using the brute strength. 300 people can push a car. Yeah, out but of. sometimes brute strength can't do it. Well, listen to this. It gets to be nighttime. And what happens at nighttime? Campfires, drinking, a lot of drinking. So this guy, probably a young kid, probably barred his dad's Porsche. He tries to beat the bog in a Porsche. The Porsche gets stuck, of course. And instead of 300 guys running out right away to push it out of the mud, you hear a chant start to go up, burn it, burn it, burn it, oh, burn no. it. Well, first they did, they did is they ran out and they flipped it over. So it was upside down. Then they torched it. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, what did this kid, when he got home, tell his dad? That's a true story. That actually Bueller. happened. Bueller. <laughs> Tom and Mike. Thomas, do you know... The scientists say our brains will connect to the computers within the next decade to form an internet of thoughts that will provide instant access to information for people. It's called Frontiers in Neuroscience. How about that? Finally, my wife can get that surgery she so longed for, <laughs> and she doesn't have to take that smartphone everywhere anymore, right? It'll just be part of her head. <laughs> the technology may also be able to link human minds to form a super brain, a fleet of nanobots embedded in our brains would act as liaisons to human mind and supercomputers to enable a matrix-style downloading information. Oh, my Lord. Can you imagine what hackers would do with this? Oh, dear. Mm. The devices would navigate the human vasculature, cross the blood-brain barrier. What's the, va what, uh, what? The, the vasculature. The oh. human, va I guess that's what your body's made up of. Cross the blood-brain barrier and precisely auto-portion themselves among our brain cells. Something tells me there's a doctor out there somewhere listening, rolling his eyes, going, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I can read. And I read this right off the uh, report. What do you say we just file this under? Because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it. Don't you like your brain the way it is? I think I do. But, you know, some people are never happy. So I say give them what they want. That's like 
1984, but all these years later. You know, you just described a scene from a party that I went to when I was younger where these people were all hooked up to an electrical wire standing around getting shot. You're kidding. No, it was a party. What was the purpose of it? I have no idea, but I got the hell out of there. But people, it just goes to show you, will do any crazy thing to, you know, get themselves uh, going. Wait, people were just... uh, Yeah. Voluntarily? They were standing around holding an electrical live current and hooked up to each other. Yeah, I swear to you. Was the party really dull? Maybe they wanted to just... I guess so, you know, when the drugs aren't enough for you. And what it, when it came to your turn, what'd you say? I said, see ya, gotta go. What happened to the time? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do something stupid like that. But people, it just goes to show you, we'll do anything once. <laughs> yeah, I thought I told you that story. That was when I was thinking about becoming a skydiver. Huh? And no, seriously, the guy that was training me to jump out of an airplane. So it was like the day before we were supposed to go out. I had been training. Yeah. And he invited me over to a party. This is back when I was single, okay? I would never, ever be allowed to jump out of an airplane, you know, being married. Carrie, right. my wife, just, you know, she's a total no-risk person. But as it turns out, I never jumped out of the airplane. You know why? Because he invited me to this party that he was having. So these are thrill seekers, okay? And they're all standing around holding a live electrical current trying to get themselves excited. And I said, I'm not doing this. Hmm. That was smart, right? Yeah, very smart. We might not even be talking right now. Yeah, well, I can't even believe it. it crossed your mind. You wanted to jump out of a plane. Well... I always have these dreams that I can fly, and I figured that was the closest thing to flying, right? Yeah. Oh, well. So you're traveling, you're flying, you're going somewhere. Take us with you, Segway City here, with our daily podcast. The address, we're totally portable. Take us anywhere. What's this world coming to.com. Tom and Mike. This father, very blunt email telling his daughter not to buy a very expensive $2,300 spinning bike a peloton the email went viral and you know this bike has everything you know includes weights headphones the total price is actually 2400 so the father said he implored her not to waste precious income on the latest attempt to encourage social strives to show that there is a more rarefied level proletariat this guy's really deep he compared it to buying a, a kilo of cocaine I'm guessing the father's a cokehead. (laughs) Who's he to judge? You know, these bikes, you know what these Peloton bikes, they they have the people go on classes where they put a video screen in front of them and and they have the motivation for a class to do all this. I was thinking, I don't know if this is true. Tell me if if you know this is true with these bikes. I would like to have a screen where you're riding at your stationary bike in your home and you see different scenes. Like you could be riding through Amsterdam, San Francisco, or do they do things like that? I don't know. I have no idea. I know those bikes are expensive though. We bought one for our exercise room and it's just a stationary bike. There's no... Yeah, I have one of those, too. It costs about 1500 bucks. They're really expensive. And it just sits there. But it's a really good one, right? Yeah. <laughs> How much did you pay for yours? I can't remember. So $2,400 for one of these bikes. Yeah, no. I guess that's probably in the realm of what they cost, I would imagine. Because the one we bought for 1500 that was a few years ago, so... Yeah. How about a nice brisk walk in her neighborhood? Cost? The cost of that, 0.0. Yeah, you can't always do that, though, you know? Well, 
The weather. Oh, the weather. Don't be a snowflake. You can put on a hat and put on the right kind of rain gear, unless it's really coming down hard. This guy wrote this email. He needs to send my wife one when she goes shopping next time. I think this guy, seriously, he must be sponging off the daughter for money for his coke habit. <laughs> Those are two things you don't want to mix together. A spinning bike and cocaine, right? You're going to be pedaling like a madman. Right? <laughs> Tom and Mike. Remember we talked about Jackson, Mississippi a couple days ago? They had the wheels being off the uh, police oh, yeah, cars. yeah, yeah. Stole the... Yeah. Somebody stealing wheels off a cop car or whatever. Well, now people in that town are being terrorized by mashed potatoes. Residents in Jackson, Mississippi are finding bowls of mashed potatoes in their cars, on their cars, on porches, and in their mailboxes. Locals so far haven't felt the need to drag police into the matter, preferring to guess on their own why the victims are being targeted. You know, I'm guessing we haven't seen Richard Dreyfus lately. You know, <laughs> that character he played in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, yeah. where he was making mountains out well, of I remember. potatoes. Yeah, I'm thinking he showed up there. You know, police say that people should keep their eyes peeled for oh, the perpetrator. Boy. <laughs> Here we go. Here <laughs> they say, we go. They said there could be a masher on the loose. Uh huh. <laughs> a mad maniacal masher. Masher. If I lived there, I'd ask, please leave the skin on the potatoes, right? Don't take the skin off mine. And how about from throwing a, some fried chicken with some apple pie and gravy, huh? Mm, some <laughs> white gravy. That's what I'm talking about. Do you like white or brown gravy on your mashed potatoes? Brown. Especially when it's in the mailbox. That's right, baby. <laughs> this is the seventh sign of the apocalypse. Spudzilla has risen. Spudzilla. Yeah. What's going on down in that town? I think they ought to change the name to Taterville. Time for some open carry in that town. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a bowl of mashed potatoes is a good guy with a potato gun. You've told me that I many I told many. you that a bunch of times. Yeah, baby. Tom and Mike. Thomas, do you know what generation comes after millennials? That, sir, would be Generation Z. And guess what? What? Bet you didn't know this. I didn't. It's larger than both millennials and baby boomers. In fact, 25% larger. Well, the Generation Zers are now taking heat from the media. The media is off the millennials, and now they're focusing their wrath at Generation Zers. Now, just for people who don't know, people who are Generation Zers were born in the mid-90s. Why do you call them Generation Zers? That's what it says. No, generation. it's Generation Z, not Zers. Well, but that's what the... Okay, Generation Z. They're born okay. in the mid-90s to the early aughts, and they are now entering the workforce en masse, but they're precocious behavior and eagerness to ask for raises and promotions reeks like diva-like behavior to some. And career counselors are saying it's shocking to see the sense of entitlement these people have before they even step foot in the office. And they're blaming poor parenting. They say you should learn your way around the mailroom before calling dibs on the corner office. That's what these kids are doing. So they're super aggressive. Yeah. They want so, it. They want it now. From everybody getting a participation trophy, now everybody demands a raise. It seems to me that this youngest generation is the worst. The worst. Yes. I like what you did there. I know. So what comes after Generation Z? What's next? Generation AA or 1A? Does it go back to the top again? No, it'd be something silly, I guess. I don't know who makes this stuff up, but at least it keeps us directionally in tune with the different demographics out there, right? Yep. I'm a demo kind of guy. I like following stats and kind of being analytical about people's ages and that kind of thing. Besides that, these people spend money, right? And mm -hmm. that's why 
Wall Street and Madison Avenue are so interested in Generation Z because they're going to have tremendous buying power if they ever find a job. Yeah, that is, that's true. So they kind of just laugh at what the country is up to and just say, eh, what's going to be the matter? And just kind of devil may care attitude and they take whatever they can. So maybe that's what their attitude comes from. Okay. You don't know any Gen Zs, do you? Of course. You do? Yeah. In my humble opinion, the ones I know, yeah, I'm not getting the vibe that they're all that aggressive. You know, I'm seeing that they're more like, yeah, they want what they want, but I'm not so sure. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not so sure they're willing to pay the price, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and work hard to get it. I think there's this expectation. They're the generation of instant gratification. They've had everything at their fingertips for so long. Maybe they don't want to, you know, go out and have to work hard and sweat for it. Maybe they want the government to give it to them. I think they need electrical shock like your party. <laughs> okay. I, I still can't get over that. I don't know what they were trying okay. to do. Well, you know, people are thrill seekers, you know, and you got to figure all these people at this party, they were part of this parachute club. So maybe that's just another way of getting a thrill, I guess. Right. You know, I once, uh, when I was a young man, I went down to Fort Lauderdale with my cousin. And we I met thought a you were still a young man. You're old now? Yeah, we met a couple girls and I kept in contact with this girl and she lived outside Detroit, Royal Oak. It's a suburb. So me and a buddy drove out there. She invited me to a New Year's Eve party. And it was at the apartment of a Detroit Lion quarterback. He wasn't a starter. He was a second string quarterback. And this party was kind of wild. Halfway through the party, all of a sudden, some guy ODs. They throw him in the, in the bathtub and they start pouring ice cubes on him. Tons of ice cubes. I looked at my friend and I said, let's get the hell out of here. And we drove back to Philadelphia. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just got to walk away. Right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, is that the weirdest thing you ever had happen at a party? Oh, I'd have to think about that. I can remember some strange things that we can't even talk about on the radio. Right. But, you know, you're right. We were all young and stupid, and now yep. we're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to educate you on fun, because that's our whole mission in life, John Q and Mary M Radio Public, you got to come on in because the fun is fine on our daily podcast and the address, Michael. What's this world coming to dot com. Tom and Mike.